This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this Christmas edition of Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and the worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they are a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is radio presenter, Everton enthusiast and inventor of wearing your school bag across your body with just one strap, Andy Bush. Hello, Andy. Hey, James. Good to be here. Good. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for bringing Everton up right at the start. This I, has put me in a great mood for the rest of the podcast. I wanted to set the tone properly. Can you tape over that bit with Tranmere supporter? That's <laughs> yeah. how we get on over the next few days. Tranmere Rover supporter, Andy Bush. Hey! Um, Andy, should we dive straight in? Who's going to be your first um, person on this Christmas edition of Desert Island Dicks? Well, seeing as it is a Christmas edition, I'm going to nominate uh, the snowman off the snowman. Oh! Do you remember him? Lovable snowman. No, he's not lovable, James. This is a problem. This is like a it's like a global conspiracy that the snowman off snowman is like a lovable, knockabout, cheerful kids TV character. He's not. There's an air of menace to him that I feel <laughs> I need to enlighten the rest of the population to. Uh, what have you seen that, no, uh, that other people haven't seen? Well, everybody loves him. Everyone loves the snowman bloke, mm. geezer. Yeah. Uh, we don't know anything about his past. I'd probably say heartwarming. I don't think, I don't think heartwarming. Okay. I, if anything, direct opposite, he gives me the complete chills. <laughs> Let's look at the facts, shall we, James, right? First of all, he turns up out the blue in this kid's, at the back of this kid's house, right? So, weirdly, stands with his back to the kid, like a Poznan type of uh, <laughs> chant thing, manoeuvre in football. So, got his back to the kid the whole time. Really weird. Kid's looking out the window, got his back to him. Weird. Mm. Uh, then at midnight, it's all this sparkle happens and the, and the snowman comes alive. And then he, the kid lets him into his house while his parents are asleep. Again, this is just facts. This is what happens <laughs> okay. in the snowman. It is sounding weird now, yeah. All right, think about it. And then the snowman, again, never don't know anything about him. He's, he goes through all the parents' clothes, drawers. That's, that's very weird. Tries yeah. on his dad's clothes, like, let me dress as your dad. Imagine letting a stranger and saying, do you mind if I dress as your dad? And then he has a go on his dad's motorbike, which he crashes in the backyard. And then, just when you think this couldn't get any weirder, and you're literally trying to remember the uh, the phone line, hotline for child life, <laughs> yeah. of Esther Ranson, uh, he, he holds the kid's hand and they fly up into the sky mm-hmm. and it ends with him taking the kid to what appears to be a snowman swinger party in a, wood, <laughs> a woodland clearing. You've added the word swinger in, but no, I see where you're going with this. It is That is very odd. It's it, weird. It's not acceptable with anyone else. And they're all drinking. I think the kid gets a drink. They give the kid a cocktail. I'm sure they give the kid a cocktail. Really? Like, yeah, the kid's, the lad's off his head in there. Is he? And then the next thing, the kid wakes up in the morning, like, oh, her head's absolutely banging. 
runs to the window and it's just a pile of that bloke's cloak. Because I think, I don't think it's a snowman. <laughs> I think it's a bloke dressed in a sponge outfit that he might get a, like a baseball game. Oh, like no. Like a mascot. Even to the point where, you know the bit that makes me sick about mascots the most is when, when a mascot's trying to hold its head steady when it walks so it always looks like he's putting his hand on its cheek. Oh, yeah. That's okay, what he, do, he does that in the snowman. Oh, oh, oh it's that, awful. It, so next time you sit down there and you're having pigs in blankets or whatever watching the snowman, just think about the malevolence that is beneath the surface. You've, you've painted it in such a different light. Subtext. When mate. you said this, I thought, he's never going to pull this off, but it was just, you breathe through it. I, I, I think he does this to a different kid every year. Oh, no. There's thousands of missing children because of the snowman. And no one will believe their stories. Oh, my God. Maybe all the people that are dancing with him in the clearing, or who all appear to be snowmen, are just other kids that he's frozen in ice. Oh, my God. And they've aged and thawed. Oh, God, it's horrendous. It is horrendous. I really don't know. You've just taken a part of my childhood and and frozen it in ice in the middle of a wood somewhere. Well, that's what the snowman did, so it's one all. My my usual tact here is to, to form some kind of counter-argument, but you're just so solid in your reasoning with the snowman. I, it's not it's not uh, even an argument, James. It's just the facts. If you were to write down a list of what happens in the snowman, that is it, as I've described there, even down to the kids being frozen at the end. So uh, you can't really <laughs> yeah. argue it. I remember the bits with the kids being frozen, actually. Um, Andy, who's going to be your second choice for Desert Island Dicks? Now, I hate to bring my dad into this. I don't want to bring my... my I'm going to nominate my dad. My dad's not a dick. My dad's a great guy. He's called Nigel. He's an Everton <laughs> fan as well. Computer programmer. Top man. But he did something that was quite dickish to me and my brother um, back in the day at Christmas. Okay. So I thought this is a pertinent time to bring it back and, you know have this out right now. Yeah, have it. Uh, Ripple, 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 back in time type flashback. Uh, I was about 10 or 11, maybe, yeah, 9 or 10. My brother's two years younger than me, so we're getting to that age in school where we're probably just about to stop believing in Father Christmas. Don't want to spoiler alert it for anyone, but about to realise that it's just a kind of, you know, kiddie tale. Mm. So getting towards that point, and it's a rite of passage, isn't it, into being an adult or whatever, learning that, oh no, it's Father Christmas, just, you know, parents mucking about. Anyway, on Christmas Eve night, my dad decided that rather than letting me and my brother kind of grow up and and realise that Father Christmas isn't real, what he decided to do instead was get his (laughs) flip-flops, put them in talcum powder, and then walk them up the stairs into, like, a path into our bedroom. Oh, that's that's a nice thing to do. Outwardly seems quite nice, doesn't it? You know, and I've told it to some people before, and they've been like, oh, that's quite cute. But really, look at the the actual repercussions of this. This kind of uh, solidified me and my brother's belief that Father Christmas was, was real... Even in the, uh, even in you know, against someone who argued otherwise because they've been told it by their parents, we're like, yeah, your parents are lying. Right? Oh my god, your parents are part of the, the conspiracy <laughs> because it is real. We've got actual evidence, which is snow footsteps into the bedroom, and this was like the smoking gun. It was like a uh, video footage of a yeti walking okay, through. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so it made us carry on believing that Father Christmas was true for like two or three years longer than it should have done. Right. And also then once we kind of hit that turning point where everyone was starting to become like 12 or 13, it still got brought up that, do you remember Bushy, as I was called at school, Bushy? Bushy. When Bushy thought that Father Christmas was real because he reckoned he saw his footprints going up the, into the bedroom. Oh, um, an idiot. You're scarred with that then. Scarred for life because my dad did what I think he thought was kind of a kind act, but it just, it just made school life a nightmare. Paint a picture. How old were you at this time? This is when he did it, nine or ten. Uh, when they stopped mentioning it at school, I, even when I was getting into sick form, it was still a thing. <gasps> Two things for me have continued, persisted through my school career that people have hit me with. First off, 
dad uh, and the footsteps going into the bedroom from Father Christmas. Yep. Me telling everyone the next morning. Secondly, middle name Leslie. So if anything, my parents have kind of hit me twice with this. Bang, bang. Andy Leslie. Andrew Leslie Bushenfeld. Wow. And continuing with the Christmas theme, born on the day that this, right now, this podcast is going out, the 20th of December. <gasps> birthday. It's your happy birthday. Thank you very much. The reason I was called Leslie is that the midwife, I was born at home, did, uh, we wanted out now rather than wait to the hospital, and the, wid- the midwife was called Leslie. Female midwife? Yes. And they decided to just put Leslie in there. Oh, yeah, she could have been called anything. She could be Brenda. You could have had Brenda in the Amanda middle. or something. So there you go. That's, that's two reasons why my parents have ruined it for me at Christmas. Amazing. Andy, I really feel like you're opening up here to a level that I didn't think... Yeah, it's like regression. It is, yeah. Isn't it? People do uh, have found this quite cathartic in the past. But um, <laughs> uh, had it been snowing at the time that your dad had done this... No, it hadn't. There was no snow. It hadn't been hadn't snowed at Christmas down in Trowbridge, where we lived at the time, for like two or three years. But as a kid, you just don't add that up. Yeah. I thought, that, this is legit <laughs> this is snow it. off the sleigh that's come in from the roof. It's probably still on his boots from the last place he visited. That's right. I didn't even question it. Yeah. Didn't even question it. Uh, your brother, younger or older? Younger, two years younger. Okay, so that makes it, you know... If you're working with him, you know, you're a little team yeah. and he's into it, you're also feeding off that. He's as equally scarred about this situation as, uh, as, as I am. So my dad has ruined both our lives for Christmas, that one year in particular. So just for one year, your dad's going in? Yeah, he's going in. He's going in for this one. He's a great guy, but for this particular activity, I'm afraid he's a dick. How does your dad feel about this story? Uh, he th- he's very proud of himself. I think for him, it's one of those, you know, when you have kids, you like to do dad magic, which mm. is whether it's separating your thumb, pretending yes. you can separate your thumb, yeah. pulling a coin from behind a child's ear uh, but for him it, this is the the next level up the next tier of dad magic is making your children physically believe that Santa Claus was actually in the house yes does he know how much this has scarred you yeah because well, we bring it up every it becomes a thing every year right Nightmare. okay um, have you ever done anything like this for your daughter that might have repercussions in the future no do you know what right and this is interesting I've, I don't go overboard on the Father Christmas thing with her she's seven she's going to be eight in like a couple of weeks time hmm. but mainly for this reason because I think I don't want her I want she's going to be told at some point there's some real wise guys in her class right okay uh, she, I mate Amy's a wise guy so Amy's definitely <laughs> going to tell her that Father Christmas isn't real and I don't want Erin my daughter to uh, hold on to the belief of Father Christmas because I've done something stupid like you know uh, tiptoed past like Homer Simpson with like little bells on me ankles okay. as she hits a reindeer or something like that so yes. I, I don't want her to get into any school strife because of my meddling yeah not that not that what your dad did has affected you in any way no. shape or I'm completely fine. Yeah. Not a problem. Just for one Christmas, your dad goes in there. And Andy, who's going to be your third dick for your island? Well, um, I'm going to in sort of uh, bring in a group of people, actually. I'm going to nominate anybody who works for the shop Hamleys. Okay. Again, keep let's keep with the Christmas theme on this. Uh, I have never met, and I, I kind of apologise if you work for Hamleys and you listen to this now, but I think you need this, like, uh, tough love. Any, I've never met a more loathsome collection of people than the people who work in Hamley, Hamleys. What, what, what are they, Just what are they doing? Just clowns. To... You must have gone in there and you've seen the people who work behind the till, fine. I'm talking about those like big kids who are employed to yeah, prat okay. about yeah. Test the equipment and and look like they're kind of kids as well, but they're kind of having you know fun, kind of crazy time. But then they're like thirty. Yeah, like thirty five, <laughs> yeah. like a bandana on. So like, what are you okay. doing, mate? And they're like they'll do stuff like 
I have to go into Hamley's quite a bit because it's around the corner from where we work mm. and uh, I'm quite badly organised. So if I need to get a present for somebody, like if my daughter's got a birthday party to go to, daddy will run the Hamley's like really quickly or okay. my niece and nephew, it's their birthday, I'll run the Hamley's on the way back from work. It's a convenience. Very, it's very much a convenience. Um, and also a lot of the times I might be hungover going in there as well. You know what it's like, first thing in the morning, 10 o'clock, I might have, might have had a couple of beers the night before. Mm, mm. We are quite crazy in this building, James. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. you go in there with a hangover and you're just presented by these guys and girls. <laughs> just like one bloke flew a mini drone into my glasses. <laughs> like point blank range. I nearly nutted him. <laughs> yeah. But you can't do anything about it because you look like you're bar humbug. You're like you're, you are Scrooge. So you have to just laugh it off and oh, let it happen. Don't worry about it. Or they're throwing hacky sacks in your crotch or something like that because... I just think they need to grow up. They just absolutely just do my head in. I think they have a job title that's something like um, toy demonstrator or toy, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, Clown. To- toy experimenter. Toy experimenter. This isn't big with Tom Hanks. They need to grow up. No, okay. Grow right. up and get a proper job, the lot of you. are an absolute waste of space. Do you think there's two parts to their job? Do you think they do that alongside that, they have to slave away in the back room making the toys like a bunch of elves? That or? would be really good. That would, that would make me feel a little bit better about things, actually, if they were in some way locked in some form of indenture, that would be great. Like Maybe. a concrete room. Just... Yeah, and they're all branded. Maybe they've all got, like, they always wear dungarees and stuff, don't they, like Super mm. Mario? But maybe the dungarees hide the fact that Hamleys have, like, branded them and they own them. Yeah. Or well, they've been given, like, 40 lashes, but in a really clever prison way above the T-shirt line, since no one knows. That would make me sleep better at night. How do you know about these things? If you're in prison, if you're in prison and you want to punish anyone, always do it above the T-shirt line, because then they won't, it won't appear when they're walking around during recreation. No one likes the grass. Snitches get stitches, James. Um, okay. I feel like we may have taken a tangent from Hamley's, but uh, do you think they're probably dressed in Christmas attire at this time of year? I've not been in there. I can only imagine it's just unbearable. I, I want to go in there with... My only way I would like to go back into Hamley's is if I was wearing, you know, like a proper space suit. Mm. Like from yeah. gravity or whatever. It's yeah. like... <laughs> just like some kind of exoskeleton armour. And they're outside going, hey, do you want to try it? And I'm just like... Boom! Punch one in the face. <laughs> yeah. Another one. Another one gets to try and um, get me to like have a go at this colouring pencil. I'll just go, bam! And just knock him clean over, yeah. and I just stomp straight to the front, pay, and then I just get ejected out of there. That is the dream. Amazing. Hamley's dream. Exoskeleton. Okay. Okay. The people that work at Hamley's, they go in there. Um, describe the feeling to me. You're walking to Hamley's on one of these last minute dashes. Try and sum up the feeling before you get to Hamleys? Uh, it's normally fear, dread and trepidation. Uh, there's a problem with Hamleys as well. If you've ever tried to go into the Hamleys in central London, um, the door system is so confusing. <laughs> I always try and go in and out and like get in and out there as quickly as I can. Like Andy McNabb. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've got doors like... You know that picture? I don't know who it's by, but it looks like steps are going up, but they're also going down. And water's running down steps that look like they're going up. Oh, right. Is it MC Escher? Something like that. I don't that. know. Okay. It might be. It That's might a guess. Be. Yeah, might be yeah. one of his. Um, but that's what Hamley's uh, internal corridor network is like. So right. you think you've gone in one way and you think, right, I can get the hell out of here now. I've got the Pokemon cards that I bought for my nephew. Great. And then suddenly the door's gone. Actually, it's a bit like Choose Your Own Adventure. The door's disappeared and you're presented with a lad dressed as an orc. Okay. What do you do? <laughs> Hit orc or run for the exit. Back, that- go back the way you came. Okay, great. That's your third dick, Hamley's. People that work at Hamley's, yeah. maybe we'll say specifically at Christmas time. 
Mainly at Christmas time. Just for this. Okay, great. Ali, now mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink of all time. What are they and why are they so bad? Okay, least favourite food, bar none, and we're going to keep with the Christmas theme on this, is Twiglets. Twiglets, yes. If you you like Twiglets, you have some form of a, a personality problem. Okay, you're a weirdo. Twiglets are the equivalent of the Keanu Reeves movie Speed, where if you stop, you die. Okay, because if you eat Twiglets, they're kind of all right. They've got that kind of marmite type of taste to them. But if for any reason you stop eating them, within two minutes you're just filled with like horror and self-loathing. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> tastes like you've just e- eaten a tin of brasso or something. Yeah. like that. so you've got to keep eating them again. And that's why they're not Moorish. It's just intimidation. Mm, okay. So I find them really weird. They also look really weird as well. Just like, look at... Next time you're around at someone's house for Christmas or whatever, or even your own house, for example, have a look at Twiglets. Just a look at them. They look like the broken legs of insects. Yeah, they do. Uh, And as well, they kind of come out at Christmas time, and it's part of this, I think, uh, sort of just gorging at Christmas time culture. It's like, what other things can we eat? Stuff my face with a bit of this. If you don't need it any other time, then I just think knock it on the head. They're Mm. just weird. You don't need Weird, weird things. And they let your hands smell. I don't like anything. I, I have this. I follow this cult that I've made up myself called knife and forkism. Okay, yeah. Which is uh, for people who don't like to use their hands to eat food. I will eat. I'll eat anything with a knife and fork because I don't like having stuff on my hands when I eat. Um, I'm compound coming 2018. And the uh, yeah. da- the David Koresh of knife and forkism. <laughs> it is. But um, uh, Twiglets is up there because it makes your hands all dusty and dirty and disgusting, and it's mm. just it's not good. Uh, do you regularly wash your hands, Andy? You all the time. Me too. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't like eating pizza with my hands because then you've got the powder or the oiliness. Anyway, sorry, that's a tangent. No, it's uh, true, it's true, absolutely. It's, it, that fills me with dread, James, it really does. M- me too. What, what are Twiglets made of? I don't, I don't know. It's stuff. They look like they look like smashed-in flamingo legs. Yeah, they do. Spray-painted with Marmite. Well, there you go. If you look at the back of a pack of Twiglets, that's the description. They look like smashed-in uh, flamingo legs that have just been left to go... Dead. Go, yeah, go all dead and off. Yeah. Um, so, could it, it? I don't think it's potato. Is it just starch? Is it just like strings of starch covered in marmite? It just. Yeah, I it, think it is, is probably that. Actually, can I add in another one as well? Just yeah. what, while we're on the subject, just if I can take two items of food. Mm-hmm. What I do, what I'll do, I'll trade me item of drink for my item of food. So we've got two hateful bits of food. For just customers. have another food. Well, another food. Uh, those tossers who do a bird within a bird within a bird. Oh, what's that about? It's like turkey inception. Come on, yeah. It's, why do people do that? If you think back to your aunts, what must our forefathers think about this? Because mm. imagine like six or seven generations back, you're on Who Do You Think I Am or whatever, and you go back six or seven generations and you've got uh, the old Deacon clan mm. who've just managed to survive the plague or the fire of London, just scraping a living together, or just about surviving on what bits of crumbs of bread they can find. Sure. And then, you know, a few generations forward... You've got so much food that you're sticking one bird up another bird's ass, <laughs> yeah. and then another bird up that bird's ass, yeah. and they're cooking it. It's, it's just, unbelievable, isn't it's it? It's disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. It is disgusting. That, that's just like I've, I've never had it. Have you ever had it? No, never. I never want it. Could it be a revelation when you eat? I don't know, but yeah. it's just unnecessary. Because you must keep in your mind at all times when you're eating it. One of these animals, at least one of these animals, has been stuffed up the ass <laughs> of the other animal. <laughs> And that's not on. It's not. It's not on. That's like almost, I reckon in some countries that's illegal. When was that okay? Yeah. How do you accidentally come across that as an idea? You're not going to believe what I did in the kitchen today. <laughs> what? Well, come over here a minute. Is that bird up that bird's ass? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You cook it. It's amazing. Yeah. Who 
does. I don't know anyone that does that, but people do do it because they do it. They sell it at Iceland for like yeah. seven pounds. Yeah, you, you know I mean? like someone in a factory has put a bird up another bird's ass, and you've gone and frozen it, and then you've bought it, and then you've eaten it. I'm imagining a machine that's just like a metal front with a rod that shoves birds up I know. other birds' asses. Someone's had to design that. Or there's a guy whose job that is, and he just goes home at night and just sits there. Just with one table lamp and a glass of whiskey and a shaky hand. <laughs> Just imagine him in his long plastic oh. glove up to the elbow. How was work today, Dad? Just go to your room. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Just go to your room. <laughs> Leave me to eat my Twiglets. Daddy's drinking and having his Twiglets. Um, so Twiglets, back to Twiglets just for a moment. Yeah. Um, I've always thought whenever someone's offered me a Twiglet, I always just go, yeah, because always when I'm offered food, I'll just eat it. Mm. Quite often, almost always. And I often think to myself, this would be fine if I was drinking at the time. So it would wash it down, you know. You're not left with that flavour. But never am I in a pub and think, I want to have some Twiglets. Yeah, man, I need some Twiglets. This is it. Twiglets is is in that category of food like pork scratchings or scampi fries where they they put them on bar tables so that your your mouth is so completely (laughs) devoid of any moisture that you have to have another pint. Yeah, yeah. But why uh, at Christmas... Okay. Why at Christmas is such a big thing? I've got no idea. They need to stop now. Okay. Twiglets are there and a bird in a bird. Andy, what is going to be a drink choice? Uh, drink for me is ginger beer. Ginger beer? Never understood. Why do people drink ginger beer? It's quite nice. It's just absolutely horrible. It's just, it's like screen wash. <laughs> Why do people drink that stuff? And it may, you can almost feel, if you if you have a little sip of ginger beer and stop and just open your mouth, you can hear your teeth crystallising with sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's so wrong. It's completely wrong for you. I don't mind it as a mixer with mm. like whiskey and stuff. Yes. That's pretty good. Mm. But but not on its own. No, I would agree on its own it's not very good. It's, it's, it's just too much going on in there as well. So you need to knock that on the head as well. It's a Christmassy drink as well, isn't it? It's got a Christmassy element to it. So just, you know, in moderation. How do you feel about ginger wine? I've had ginger wine before, quite like that. Although it does make me feel like I might be like, that might be something you might drink on a park bench. (laughs) Yeah. Out of a brown paper bag. Yeah, yeah. And just curse at stuff or whatever. So I didn't realise, I didn't know that. I didn't know that connotation until last Christmas. I brought some ginger, because someone gave me a ginger wine and lemonade and I was like, oh, this is a Christmassy drink. Yeah. And I brought some into work on the last day. You know, we're not drinking at work every day, but you know, on the last day before Christmas, people were like, oh, ginger wine, why are you, you drink ginger ginger wine like it was a thing it's like, got it's got an element of bandaged hand to it i would say yeah i think so but um you know there's another there's another kind of wine which is a great actually it's not even just christmas in scotland it's all year round and i can say this because i have quite a few friends from glasgow and they are obsessed with buckfast wine yeah you ever had buckfast oh wine? yeah fortified wine mm. uh, and basically it's weird for me because i grew up near buckfast in devon buckfast abbey i think they must i don't know if the monks make it or whatever but yeah it's they're meant really, to really really strong um wine that um, I would never drink it. My, my friend from Scotland, when we were in America, used to have this drink called Calimucho, which was Buckfast wine with Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to look at him like, what are you doing? That... You've got, you're in America. You can get whatever you want here. And you're making something that I wouldn't even clean the engine of my car. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. What are yeah. you doing? Um, Buckfast wine, um, If you, it, it has an insane amount of caffeine in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you drink it, the next day the hangover is unbelievable. It, it is. It, mm. I think if you drink Buckfast wine, it's... It's like a power up from a video game. So you're you're turbo blasted. Oh yeah, big time. We went to Edinburgh and we um we went to a Buckfast like a Buckfast bar. That did... Why do they love it so much? I don't know. Where did this connection come from? It's so weird because it's a tiny little little abbey in rural Devon, and it couldn't be further from Scotland. Mm. And suddenly they they're just mad about it. Yeah, answers on a postcard. Please do. Yeah, tweet in and let us know. Come on, Scots. Okay. Um... 
Ginger beer. Anything else on ginger beer? No, I just think that's pretty much it. It's just like a can of sugar. Uh, it doesn't taste right, and it's just a mix. Basically, you drink in a mixer. You wouldn't go into a pub and go, I'll have a pint of tonic water, please. Yes, so yeah, no, OK. Don't drink a can of ginger beer on its own. Um, my girlfriend's pregnant at the minute, and she's actually craving ginger beer. So we have to have ginger beer in, but Ooh. she has, like, a ginger beer with a bit of ice and some lime in it, right? And that's what she likes to drink so at the minute. That's just the flavour that she needs. It is all of this, everything that is said here has got the proviso. If, if a pregnant woman likes it, let her have it. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Just easy, it's just easier. Don't argue with it. Don't question it. No, yes, of course, yeah. But if she needs a bird and a bird and a bird, let yeah. her have it. <laughs> um, okay, great. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, Andy, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, yeah. and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Have you ever sat through a film where everybody around you is rolling around with laughter, loving it, and you're sat there going, I don't get this. Y- yes. I don't understand why, why is everyone... Just in fits of hysterics. And that film for me is Sausage Party. Sausage Party. I've never seen it, but I know I know what it is. And I was quite tempted to go and see it. It looks good. If you watch the advert, mm. the trailer or whatever, it looks really good. And it's about this, this animated kind of thing about the um, items in a supermarket come into life. Yes. So imagine if when you close all the doors in the supermarket, all the little, all the veg come come alive and have a, have an argument with the sausages and mm. the baked beans and all this kind of So you think, oh, it's quite fun. And it is just the most rank, crass, awful thing. And I took my other half, Katie, to go and watch it. A terrible date, Sunday night, uh, half-empty Odeon in Wood Green watching Sausage <laughs> yeah. Pie. Yeah. And we're just, everyone else was just dying of laughter and we were just looking at them. I, it was the closest I've come to walking. I've only walked out of one film in my entire life. What was and it? that was Moonwalker by Michael Jackson. Oh, right. Do you know okay, when he released yeah. that awful film? Yeah. Went to watch it at the uh, cinema in Payton and we just couldn't, it was just nothing like we thought it was going to be. And it has bits of concert and then bits of. Yeah. Is that right? Is awful. that the right film? Yeah. That is the closest I have come to walking out of a cinema because it was that bad. Oh, wow. Absolutely. And tell you another thing, actually, just another film I can just chuck in the mix because I literally <laughs> watched it last night. Having seen loads of brilliant reviews of people on Twitter saying it was great, Baby Driver. Have you seen Baby Driver? No, I, I need to watch that, but is, is that bad? Awful. Absolutely awful. Man. It's just like, it's like a, you know when you go to the cinema and there's a a musical advert for a local jeans company. Yeah. In Devon, it was like Western Clipper Jeans, and it was a homemade local advert. And it'd be like a guy <laughs> slipping his wristwatch on whilst his, uh, the lady he slept with last night still asleep. And his shirt's off, and his he's ripped. Off. Yeah. And then he jumps down the canopy of uh, an awning of the coffee shop downstairs and bounces straight into the open-top bit of his Lamborghini and speeds off. <laughs> yeah. Baby Driver is that, but for two hours. Wow, OK. It made me angry. Did it? Yeah, it was like a derivative kind of uh, lock stock and two smoking barrels. Right, okay. Awful. But, but, but yeah, okay. Um, paint a picture for the listeners. What are your favourite films? A couple of your favourite films. Interstellar. Great film. It was a great film. Yeah. Uh, really weird one for me with Interstellar. I went to, I did the school run in the morning and the cinema is opposite my daughter's school. So my daughter's only like seven or whatever. Yeah. Uh, dropped her off, went to go and watch the early showing of Interstellar. Really emotional film, especially because there's a lot of like father-daughter <laughs> stuff in there as well. Mm. And then when I came out of the cinema, 
I kind of took a look at the school, and for some reason it all just kind of <laughs> all made sense, and it all came crashing down on me. And I actually had like a little blub. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. I had to um, hide to have a cry. This is honestly true. <laughs> I had to hide to have a cry in the doorway of the YMCA in Crouch End. <laughs> and then the weirdest thing is, and this is also true, and this is awful, as I was just finishing up my sob, just like, come on, Bush, pull yourself together, cool, yeah. like rubbing my eyes and water and you know tears and everything, I looked up and um, a load of little kids from my daughter's school were looking at me through the railings. Oh, no. The school looks out onto the Crouch End YMCA and they must have just wondered, why has that guy just come out of the cinema and <laughs> cried in a doorway and then just carried on walking? Or worse, why is Erin's dad crying? I know, that's Erin's daddy. <laughs> yeah. Really, actually, weirdly enough, though, right, in that film, um, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but there's a bit where uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, he can't communicate with his daughter because he's in a different parallel universe mm. with her. So she's there and he's trying to communicate with her. But but she can't hear him or anything. Mm. He's just waving and doesn't. And after I did my little sob, I walked further down the side of the school. And like I said, it was lunchtime, so the kids were out playing. I went to. I saw my daughter in the mm. yard, mm. and I waved. So I waved at her and her little group of friends in the corner. Waved and waved and waved, and none of them noticed me. And I felt like, oh my god, maybe I've gone into a parallel universe. That parallel with the film, unbelievable. But actually, what it was was just me getting used to the fact that, at a certain point, as a dad uh, with kids, they don't want anything to do with you anymore because <laughs> yeah. you're not cool. And the last thing they want in a million years. Think back to when you were at school. Would you want your dad to come and wave at the, at the fence when you're on lunch break? Not when you're with your mates. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be so, like St Peter and the Cockerel. Never yeah. heard of him, mate. Never yeah. heard of him, mate. Yeah. No idea he is. Mate. Yeah. Um, quickly back to sausage pie. Yeah. Um, what was it about sausage pie that upset you? Really weirdly, I'm not a prude mm. at all. Mm. I'm, I'm all up for um, uh, boisterous language and stuff like that, James, mm. as you mm. well know. I know you. Yeah. Um, I've called you a cunt loads of times. You're full of shit, mate. Yeah. Bleep that out. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it was really, really, really gross. Just like, there's like an American type of comedy that is like, I guess you would call it gross out, and it just goes over that line. It's like sexually disgusting. And I found myself almost with a straight back and holding further and tightly onto my cane and top hat in there. Yeah. I got really British about the whole thing. It was just a bit too far. Yeah, it was just a bit like, bleh, and I'm not really into bleh. I prefer stuff that's a bit, kind of got a bit more to it. Vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was a great, that's what was so frustrating about it, a great potential concept for film, thoroughly wasted. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, 10 to 15 years' time, we're all a little bit older, someone yeah. remakes it, what could they do to improve? Just get a completely new writer in and, and write some funny jokes. There's no jokes in it. This is the problem now with a lot of films these days, especially comedies, which seem to be uh, a lot less likely to hit the mark, is if you watch the trailer, mm. you watch all the funny bits. Right, yes. All the funny bits are in the trailer. How many times have you watched a film's trailer and think, actually, to be fair, that does look hilarious, and then go and watch it in the big screen, and it's just like, oh, my God, all the funny bits were in the three minutes I watched before I put Predator on the other night. Right, OK, it's like they're... they're... <laughs> Not that you'd be watching Predator. <laughs> or Predator would have modern movies. Why would you be watching the trailer of Predator as well? That's a really good point. Watch it. There's too many problems with that story in that, obviously, Predator is an old film. Why would it have modern films on as its trailer? Mm. And why would you be watching Predator? You've probably seen it loads of time. But yeah. anyway, you know what I mean. No, but it's like, uh, it's like the people that are making these films are, ha- are happy to chuck away all of the good bits just for, for you to buy a ticket. Completely. It's, it's like... Uh, yeah, let's get let's hook him in with a couple of good jokes in the trailer. Mm. And like, I tell you what, for example, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Right. And that is a film by Seth MacFarlane mm. from Family Guy. And I thought, Family Guy's really funny. He's really funny. This would be a great film. Trailer looked great. Went to watch the film. Absolutely awful. Really? And then I had to go and interview him for the radio station and pretend that I liked it. <gasps> and deep down, I just thought, mate, this is terrible. I almost want to, like, 
You can do that thing like you do in uh, Towie where you chuck a glass of water on someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, have some of that, mate. Um, it, didn't he have something to do with uh, Sausage Party? Or am I mistaken? No, I think you're right. I think you might be right. He, didn't he produce that or similar? You might be right, James, in which case there's just some kind of connection. Seth MacFarlane is at the root of maybe the, the demise of modern comedy. Who knows? Do, Google it in your own time because that may not be a fact. But... No, it's an interactive podcast, this uh, one. Um, <laughs> Andy, what's going to be your song choice? Uh, I'm going to choose for something terrible, and this is this is particularly uh, heartfelt for me because obviously I'm, I'm a radio presenter on Absolute Radio, mm. uh, and I have to play this lot all the time. But I think the audience deep down know I don't like it, and that's Queen. Anything by Queen. Queen are the worst band in the world. Any Queen. Any Queen song. That is controversial. They are awful. <gasps> or. <laughs> I can't even think of a Queen song that I even think is all right, let alone, you know, brilliant. No. It's just Brian May with his stupid, like, hairdo, which is like a stack of smoke. You can't see that when you're listening to Queen. I can, I can. <laughs> I can I can see it right now, close my eyes now. You can think of him, there he is. And then Freddie Mercury, and, and then the drummer, I don't know the rest of their names, and the bass player, and I just think I hate everything about him. The bass player's name's John Deacon. John, is it? It's my dad's name. Oh, my God. I know, he's my dad. This is so bad. Can you tell John for me, like, no hard feelings? And this is the thing, if I ever met them or I ever had to interview them, I'd be like, oh, I love your album, absolutely brilliant. But uh, just as a, in a cowardly way, I've just never really got into... I just think Queen, for me, is like, just naff, isn't it? Naff. Yeah, OK. I mean, Freddie Mercury, arguably one of the best singers. No, that. he's not. Really? No, he's not. He's an incredible singer. No, I don't even think he is. What are you hearing that other people aren't hearing? I just think he overdoes it. If he was on the X Factor now, they'd be like, hey, mate, cut the, cut the warbling down. Keep it simple. Fred, mate. Freddie. Uh, um, I, I feel you're not going with me on this one, James. I'm not a huge Queen fan, but I, but I feel like you're wrong. I'd say you are a Freddie Mercury, a.k.a. Barry Balsara <laughs> apologist. I feel like you've been waterboarded with Queen so much that it's had an effect on you. Yeah, no, I mean, that's probably true. But I think the hatred of Queen was always there, but I've had it kind of like... That that wound has been opened up by multiple plays of it over the years at Absolute Radio. Mm. It's going to reach a tipping point where I don't know what's going to happen. What about Freddie Mercury's performance? No. Come on. What did I play the other day? Uh... Is that song, I'm Going Slightly Mad? Have you ever heard that by Queen? The station can get a bit niche sometimes. I do get Yeah, that, and we yeah. play loads of great stuff. I, I like all the stuff. I think it's good to be uh, quite honest about things. Mm. I, I play a load of music so that the audience like it. So it's not what... If they, if they listen to what I liked all the time, I'd have about 25 listeners. Sure, yeah. So, you know, you need to be uh, broad, and there's loads of them that love Queen, but music itself is about saying boo to that or yay to this, and that's the fun of music, is saying, I think it's great. No, hold on a minute, that's crap. No, I think it's brilliant. And the argument, that, that that's the whole bit that gets me into music. That's mm. what I like. You can be... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, okay, uh, I'm not going to go home and put Queen on. Okay, but I, but I can see, I can see the good in no, that. No, no. If you if you love uh, Freddie Mercury so much, James, why didn't you marry him? <laughs> because he's dead, Andy. That's a very good point. He died. Uh, he died, uh, didn't he? Andy, and finally, <laughs> the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it, and why? Undoubtedly, the biggest dick of the animal kingdom is the cat. Oh, it's true. Come on, I, Go I think. On. Modern society as we know it now is has gone stupid about two different types of animals, mm -hmm. cats and dogs. Yep. The world has definitely gone dog stupid to the point where I think human beings are nicer to their dogs than they are to other people as well. I would agree, yeah. And, uh, you know, you think, why don't you actually start being nice to other people first before you buy your dog like a, a £16 lunch? Mm. But cats are worse. At least dogs give something back. You know, dogs are spoiled. 
and they have an elevated position in the structure of society. But they give something back. They'll they'll bring you back a stick. They'll okay. come and check on you in the morning. Mm. You, a dog would would nudge me over. I imagine if I had some form of uh, uh, of an incident and then maybe <laughs> n- n- you know push my mobile phone towards me with its nose. Yes. Okay. Like in nine 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 or casualty or something like that. Would a cat do that for you? Would it fuck? No. <laughs> a cat would have it would happily take stuff from your day. A cat is just taking you for a ride. You'd be on the floor and it'd come and do a shit by your face. It would. It wouldn't be interested at all. It's, a cat is taking you for a ride. It's an abusive relationship. Mm. I thought we won the evolutionary race. Do you remember that human human beings, Homo sapiens? We won. We won the evolutionary race. Have a think about that the next morning, or right, and you're getting up to go for work. And you're, you know, setting the stuff up for your cat, making sure the food's all ready for it. Maybe setting the timer on the little slow release button so that its its dinner pops up at four o'clock if you're not back yet, and it's <laughs> fast asleep with spread eagle on your bed. Yeah. How do we win? We're know, working all day. Yeah. How do we win that? And they're just taking the Mickey. I mean, they—if you keeled over tomorrow, cat owners, genuine bit of uh, God's honest truth. Now, if you died tomorrow, your cat wouldn't even think twice. It'd go next door and take food off them instead. It's not interested. <laughs> It would step on your cold, dead face oh just to get a bit God. more salmon or whatever they eat. I don't and it would know. eat you, yeah. It would, it, would, it would probably eat you. It would probably eat you. Totally. Eyeballs down. Yes. Um, what I will say about cats and dogs, though, cats kind of, apart from feeding them, they kind of sort themselves out. Dogs, it's they're true. very needy. Well, this is it. I, I've been tempted a couple of times over the past year, actually, for, uh, for us as a household to get a dog because we live by the sea now. I was thinking, oh, that'd be quite good. Although there's there's one shop in Leon Sea where I live which always kind of reminds me in a good timely fashion that I'm not ready for a dog yet. And there's a dog grooming place and on the side of the window it, off, it shows all the services it offers. Mm. And one of them is anal gland draining. <laughs> And I think if you've got an animal, you've got to book in. Imagine booking in for anal... Imagine paying for anal gland drainage. Okay, that'll be £52, please. Okay, fine, not a problem at all. Anything you've got to... If you've got to drain an animal's anal glands... Also, you know, like, what did dogs do before that anal gland draining was a a thing? Oh, they just had their... Big Bul- old bulging anal glands. Big, it's just awful. But surely people Disgrace. have gone years without draining their anal glands. No, I know. I mean, I hate to end the podcast on this particular <laughs> message, but I do think it's something worth thinking about over Christmas, if you can. I know. How did dogs drain their anal glands before the people on the uh, London Road in Leon Sea offered it? <laughs> Merry Christmas, quits? everyone. Merry Christmas. Have a great meal. <laughs> yeah. You want more gravy with that? Go on, a bit more gravy. Yeah. Well, uh, get that bread sauce out. Get it down, yeah. Um, okay. Dip your twiglets but in then, it. So cats are going in. And an island overrun with cats, it's going to be a nightmare. Imagine that squealing and howling, oh, the, and just all the noise and the skittishness. And rabid stuff as well. cats, yeah. It would just do your head in. Um, did you have pets growing up? Yeah, we had a cat. Yeah. We had a dog. Uh, goldfish, waste of time. Budgie, waste of time. Gerbil, waste of time. <laughs> would you say your cat and dog growing up were a waste of time? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think our, our dog. We had one really good dog called Murph, who was named after the drummer from a band called Dinosaur Junior. Oh, great! Great bands, great drummer. Yeah, uh, he was a good laugh. Just keeled over with a heart attack, though. It was uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, and they—I didn't. T- we obviously didn't read this in the uh, the user handbook you get mm. for a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, but they got like really weak hearts. Oh, so they only lived like I don't know, like eight or nine years, and he just bless him, he just keeled over. Cat-wise, they've come and gone. We had a cat called Leah, named after Princess Leah. Nice. And I've had a couple of rabbits, Nevin and Sheedy, named after a couple of Everton players. Okay, great. Uh, but no, 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 no pet for me has ever been like, brilliant, oh, brilliant, definitely going to get one of them again. But it's more the people nowadays, the way they're treating cats and dogs. Yeah, I think it's the fact that people treat, treat pets. If you go to, you know, you can look on people's Facebook page, 
posts and stuff like that, some people think their animals are like human beings. Mm. And that's mental. Yes, and I've said to people before on this podcast, I feel like people follow these kinds of things just so they feel like they're a part of something. Yeah, completely. And it's it's quite empty, and then they've got this cat and or dog that they're picking the shit up of just to be part of this little clique and and yeah. have a and have a um a ban a cat in their banner on Twitter. I know everyone that's the thing now isn't it have your cat have a little bit of a photo of your cat call him a silly name like Mr Tom DeFoodle or something <laughs> like that and then make him a character give him his own flipping you know uh, Twitter handle or whatever. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Smell the cat piss. Yeah, wake up and smell the cat piss before uh, it's too late. Well, Merry Christmas everyone. Mary, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, heartwarming message. Yeah. Andy, thanks for joining us today for Desert Island Dicks. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Andy, if people, if people want to hear more of you, where can they hear you? Uh, they can hear me on Absolute Radio from 1 till 4 in the week or the Indie Disco Saturday nights from 5. And uh, what's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Bush on the Radio. And Andy is a, an artist... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you um, create pictures. Do you want to give a synopsis of your... Yeah, I would love to. I'm trying to raise funds, right? If you've listened to this and thought, John, Bush sounds like a really good bloke who I'd like to help out and we can be friends forever. I'm trying to raise enough support to get a book of my pictures published. It's called Celebs at Home. And basically I'm drawing celebrities doing household chores. So, for example, uh, Paul Weller defrosting his freezer. Yeah. Uh, Elton John uh, reaching down the back of the couch to look for pound coins because he might be going to do the big shop. Yeah. Uh, and then imagine a book of them, but I, they're going to print it if we get enough pre-orders. So if you're interested, check on the website Unbound and look for Celebs at Home or just have a look on my Twitter handle, at Bush on the radio. Uh, support the book. I'll be your friend for life. Yeah, excellent. Craft work putting out the bins. Genius. Oh, yes, thank you. It's that, one of my, my e- finest moments. Excellent. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.